Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. All throughout this season, notice how much the image of light is used in this celebration. I mean, drive around our city, you see lights everywhere, on homes, at shopping malls, you see them all around the church as well. Light is a very important part of Christmas because light is associated with Jesus Christ. You see that same metaphor of light for Jesus Christ throughout the Bible. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus is still shining his light into the dark corners of our world. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress considers why Jesus would compare himself to light and uncovers four crucial objectives Jesus came to accomplish on planet Earth. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress. Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. I'm especially pleased that you set aside a half hour to join us, because today we'll focus our complete attention on the miracle of Christmas. My message is part of the December theme, which is to celebrate the Savior. Before we get started, I want to remind you that there's still time to request your copy of the all-new 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. As a means for helping you walk in the Word through the entire new year, I've written a chapter for every weekday in 2023. This edition is well over 500 pages in length. And here's the flow for the new year. From January to February, I'll guide you in a spiritual fitness program using wisdom from the book of Hebrews. From March through May, you'll learn how to walk with God by studying the life of Abraham. In the summer, you'll discover the joy and freedom of living in grace. And in the fall and winter, you'll meditate on the parables of Jesus. It's going to be a great journey together. And the leather-bound daily devotional is yours when you give a generous year-end gift to support and expand the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, because of the light and the darkness matching challenge that's active right now, any amount you give today will automatically be doubled. And every dollar we receive will be channeled directly toward reaching more listeners with this daily radio program, the telecast, and the many other ways we're reaching out through Pathway to Victory. We'll repeat the details and give our contact information later. But right now, let's turn our attention to John chapter 8. I titled my message, The Night Before Christmas. Should Christians celebrate Christmas? I know uh, for some of you right now who may be uh, dealing with overcrowded malls or overextended credit cards, you may be asking yourself the very same question. Why do we do this to ourselves every year? But you know, when people ask me the question, should Christians celebrate Christmas, they're usually talking about a theological point, a historical point. They'll say, Pastor, don't you know that Christmas was actually a pagan holiday meant to worship a mythological God? Why are we Christians using a pagan holiday? And there is some truth behind that. Did you know for the first 300 years of Christianity, Christians really didn't focus on the birth of Christ. There was no celebration of the birth of Christ. The celebrations were centered on the death and the resurrection of Christ. 
But then in 321 AD, when the Roman emperor Constantine was converted to Christianity, he is the one who took December the 25th, a date that had been devoted to celebrating the birth of the mythological sun god. Constantine took that date and said, let's use it to celebrate the birth of the real son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, of all the pagan deities that Constantine could have chosen to link with the birth of Jesus, why did he choose the mythological sun god to link with the birth of the real son of God? The common denominator between that mythological god and Jesus is the concept of light. Just as the sun god was a god of light, Jesus, the real God, is also a God of light. You know, all throughout the season, notice how much the image of light is used in this celebration. I mean, drive around our city, you see lights everywhere, on homes, at shopping malls, you see them on our Christmas trees, you see them all around the church as well. Light is a very important part of Christmas because light is associated with Jesus Christ. You see that same metaphor of light for Jesus Christ throughout the Bible. In the opening chapter of John's gospel, he writes this about John the Baptist, who was not the light. John says, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light himself, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. In John 8, 12, Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John 12, 46, Jesus said about himself, I have come as light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. Why have the hymn writers, the theologians, the gospel writers, even Jesus himself linked Jesus Christ with light? I read an interesting article this week by Bob Russell that mentions four comparisons between Jesus and light. How is Jesus Christ like light? Well, first of all, think about it. Light commands our attention. Light commands our attention, and that was true about Jesus. Hundreds of years before he came to earth, Isaiah wrote this prophecy about him. In Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I titled this message, The Night Before Christmas. Because before Christ came, this world was enveloped in darkness and night. But the light of Christ broke through that darkness. Light commands our attention. Now, admittedly, Jesus' coming did not attract a lot of attention at first. No reason it should have when you think about it. Here he was born in Bethlehem, a town so small it wasn't even listed in the registry of Judean villages. He was born to two parents who didn't have two denarii to rub together. When he lived his brief life, he never held any public office. He never owned a home, never had a family, died relatively young. 
He lived 1,450 years before the printing press was invented. He lived 1,900 years before radio was invented. And yet 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him, aren't we? He is the center of human history. In fact, even unbelievers have to acknowledge his coming. Every time anyone ever writes or types the date, they are testifying to the birth of Jesus Christ. They are saying it has been 2,000 years since the most important event in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. The whole world testifies of his life. Isn't it interesting? When a golfer misses a putt, have you ever heard a golfer curse Benjamin Franklin? Have you ever heard one say that? Or have you ever heard a carpenter missing a nail and hitting his thumb saying, Mahatma Gandhi? <laughs> Even atheists, unbelievers curse using the name of Jesus Christ. It was the writer H.G. Wells, certainly not a Christian himself, who wrote, more than 1,900 years later, a historian like myself, who doesn't even call himself a Christian, finds the picture centering irresistibly around the life and character of this most significant man. I was reading about a scholar at the University of Chicago who noted there has been more written about Jesus Christ in the last 20 years than in the first 1900 years after his birth combined. People are still talking about Jesus. Many of you here remember about 10 or 15 years, the king of cable news, the king of cable talk shows was an interviewer named Larry King. Everybody tuned in to Larry King Live. Uh, Larry was the one who interviewed every notable personality. Of course, he was of the Jewish faith. But at the height of his popularity, somebody asked Larry King, if you could interview anybody in the world, whom would you interview? And without hesitating, he said, I would interview Jesus Christ. He'd be my number one choice. And the questioner asked, well, if you had Christ and you could only ask him one question, what would you ask him? And again, King didn't hesitate. He said, I would ask Jesus Christ if he was truly born of a virgin because his answer to that question would define history for me. Jesus Christ continues to define history. He is the center of this universe. Secondly, Jesus is like light in that light reveals our flaws. Light reveals our flaws. Now, this is a part of light, quite frankly, we don't like that much. I mean, think about it. When you want to have a romantic dinner with somebody, you do it over candlelight, not over a spotlight, right? <laughs> why is that? Have you ever thought why that is? We don't like a bright light shining on us if we're trying to romance somebody. We don't want them to see our imperfections and our flaws. Well, that's true about the spiritual world as well. Many people are repelled from the light of Jesus Christ because he reveals our flaws by his perfect nature. He is like a ruler that immediately reveals a line that is crooked. You know, you see that illustrated in the story of the coming of Christ himself. Two very different reactions to the light of Jesus Christ and his arrival to planet Earth. 
If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter two for just a moment. Matthew chapter two. And I want you to notice the difference in response to Christ's birth by the Magi, the wise men, and King Herod. Matthew chapter two, beginning with verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled. When Herod heard the same news the Magi heard, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Herod wasn't happy because he heard of a rival king that had been born. And so in verse 8, he says to the Magi, you go and search for him, and when you search for him, come back and tell me where he is so I can worship him as well. Sure, <laughs> sure. No, Herod searched in darkness for Jesus Christ and never could find him. The reason he was searching for Christ is he wanted to extinguish the light. Never found him. But the Magi had a sincere heart. The Magi wanted to know God. And you know, the promise of God is anyone who sincerely wants to know him, he will reveal himself to that person. In Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you're here today listening to this message and something inside of you really wants to know your creator, the God of the universe, he will reveal himself to you. And you know where he will take you? He will take you exactly to the same place he took the Magi, to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. If you want to know God, know Jesus Christ. Light commands our attention. Light reveals our flaws. Thirdly, light overpowers darkness. Jesus is like light because light overpowers darkness. In any contest between light and darkness, light always wins. Not just some of the time, but all the time. What is true in the physical world is true in the spiritual world as well. Light always overpowers darkness. You know, right now, the Bible says there is a spiritual war being waged in this universe. It's a war, a contest between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Every battle you're facing right now in your life is ultimately that spiritual battle between light and darkness. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 6:12: for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. This struggle with the kingdom of darkness is real, and perhaps it seems right now to some of you, it seems like darkness is winning. I know I'm speaking to some of you right now that frankly have a hard time entering into the festivities of Christmas. Maybe because you've recently lost a loved one. It may be because of a painful memory from the past that you can't erase from your mind. It may be because of a prodigal child you haven't had contact with in months or perhaps years. Perhaps it's because of an illness you're facing or somebody you love. 
It seems like darkness is winning in your life. But remember, light always extinguishes the darkness. Not always immediately, but ultimately. Do you remember 2,000 years ago on that Good Friday? Jesus was hanging on the cross. It was the middle of the day, but darkness enveloped the earth for three hours. And then when Jesus died, they took his body down and they placed it in a dark tomb. It was for certain darkness had won. The disciples' dreams were dashed. They had lost everything. Darkness had won, or so it seemed. But three days later, on Easter Sunday morning, it began to dawn. And remember, the angel appeared, and the Bible says his appearance was as lightning, and his garments were as white as snow, and the light of God reached into that dark, empty tomb and raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, and he has now forever conquered sin and death and darkness. Light ultimately always wins. The light overpowers the darkness. Finally, how is Jesus Christ like light? Light offers us direction. It offers us direction. Imagine you're the pilot of a jumbo jetliner. You're charged with the safety of hundreds of passengers seated behind you. You're trying to land your aircraft weighing hundreds of thousands of pounds in the middle of the night, in the middle of a driving rainstorm. You can't land that plane anywhere. There's only one place you can land with guaranteed safety, and it is that narrow strip of concrete we call the runway. How in the world can a pilot in the darkness find the runway in a rainstorm? The lights, the beacons lead him to that place of safety. Jesus is that beacon for us. In the darkness of this world and the universe, he says, do you want to land safely with God? Do you want to know him forever and be in a relationship with him forever? Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is that light that offers us direction to God himself. This may seem strange for you, to you today, but as I was thinking about this truth this week, I thought about Motel 6. Do y'all remember Motel 6? You know, Motel 6 was a second-rate motel chain that was almost driven into bankruptcy until an advertising genius right here in Dallas, Texas came up with a slogan that revolutionized that company. It was a slogan I bet every one of you can still say today. Remember what it is? Motel 6 will leave the light on for you. We'll leave the light on for you. There was something about that catchphrase that was so appealing to people. The image of being traveling in an unfamiliar place, perhaps at night, needing a place of safety, a place to rest, and seeing that little light on at Motel 6 encouraging you to come in. Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. You know, that's what God says to each of us. He says, it doesn't matter where you are, how far you have wandered away. I'm looking for you. I'm waiting for you. I'm longing for your return 
home. And Jesus is that light that shows us the way home. The author, David Redding, has captured the essence of what it means to come home to God from an experience in his own life many years earlier in his life. He writes, I remember going home from the Navy for the first time during World War II. Home was so far out in the country that when we went hunting, we had to go toward town. We had moved there from my father's house when I was just 13. I had a big dog, a big black Scottish shepherd named Teddy. Teddy was my dog, and he would do anything for me. He waited for me to come home from school. He slept beside me, and when I whistled, he ran to me even if he were eating. At night, no one could get within a half mile of me without Teddy's permission. During those long summers spent working in the fields, I would only see the family at night, but Teddy was with me all the time. And so when I went away to war, I didn't know how to leave him. How do you explain to someone who loves you that you are leaving him and will not be chasing woodchucks with him tomorrow like always? So coming home that first time from the Navy was something I can scarcely describe. The last bus stop was 14 miles from the farm. I got off there that night at about 11 o'clock and I walked the rest of the way home. It was two or three in the morning before I was within a half mile of our house. It was pitch dark, but I knew every step of the way. Suddenly, Teddy heard me and began his warning bark. Then I whistled only once. The barking stopped. There was a yelp of recognition, and I knew that a big black form was hurtling toward me in the darkness. Almost immediately, he was there in my arms. To this day, that is the best way I can explain what I mean by coming home. What comes home to me now is the eloquence with which that unforgettable memory speaks to me about my God. If my dog, without any explanation, would love me and take me back after all that time, would my God? What does Christmas mean? It means above else. Whatever you've done, wherever you are, however long you've been away from God, God has left the light on just for you. And that light to lead you safely home is Jesus Christ. Nothing would magnify your celebration of Christmas any more than making the decision to come home. And I'm thrilled to think that God is moving in the hearts of people all around the world at this very moment as men and women take their first steps toward Jesus. That's what Pathway to Victory is all about. This media ministry is devoted to teaching the truths of the Bible so that people have a genuine encounter with the living God. And when you partner with us, you can have every confidence that your investment is applied toward this worthy cause. So what's holding you back? Go ahead and grab that pen and piece of paper, jot down our contact information, and let us know that you're on the team. As I mentioned earlier, Pathway to Victory is the recipient of a generous light-in-the-darkness matching challenge in the amount of $525,000. 
And that means when you give a generous year-end gift, it will be automatically matched and therefore doubled in size. Because of this matching challenge, we have the opportunity to multiply our impact next year two times over. And when you respond today, I'll express my gratitude by sending the 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional, equipping you with biblical insight to help you navigate each day in the coming year. This beautiful leather-bound devotional provides a practical way to hear God's voice and discern His plan for you as you begin or end each day reflecting on His Word. It's substantial in size and weight, so please gauge the size of your gift with that in mind. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift toward our Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge, we'll say thanks by sending you the brand-new Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. To request your very own copy, call 866-999-2965 or go online. That's at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include the complete CD and DVD sets for Celebrate the Savior, a brand new series from Pathway to Victory featuring favorite messages from Dr. Jeffress about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus and the light he brought to our dark world. The CD also includes beautiful Christmas music performances from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. Remember, because of our Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge, your gift today will effectively be doubled in impact by another generous donor. So request your copy of these resources right away. Call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, be sure to jot down this mailing address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again Thursday for another special Christmas message called Stop and Smell the Manger here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.